From Chagdagumpa Riggs and Lane, this is Listen, Contemplate, Meditate, a podcast featuring a range of teachings from the Buddhist tradition presented by Lamas of Chagdagumpa Foundation. Our website is chagdagumpa.org. So I'm very happy to welcome all of you uh, here to Ozaling Temple which is a branch of Chagdugumpa Foundation in Brazil. And uh, I'm sure that uh, Soninho told you everything. So we have a system of, of teachings and listening to the Dharma, the Dharma being the teachings of the Buddha. And in listening to those teachings, then we think about what we hear, and then we meditate on what we understand. So if we're not able to listen properly or enough, then we're not able to really understand properly or enough. And then we're not able to really meditate. So it's very important to listen to the teachings. And in listening to the teachings, for you to be a proper recipient of the teachings, it's very important to establish pure-hearted motivation. This is a correction. When the Lama says, please establish pure motivation, it's a, a correction or an adjustment to impure motivation. And we might think, well, I don't really have impure motivation. I'm not here to get rich. I'm not here to... Uh, impress anybody, you know, motivation that's impure is usually considered worldly, worldly motivation, like wanting more. That's all it is, it's wanting more. And not wanting trouble. So, I don't want any trouble. I don't want anything to go wrong. I don't want to have a decline or loss. That's a worldly motivation. In the same sense, we often think, well, I want, I want, I want people to be nice to me. I, I don't like it when people aren't nice to me. I, would, I, want, to be, I want to be praised appreciated, that, that makes me feel good. If you praise me and appreciate me, then I think, oh, nice, good, thanks, that's great, you know. I have a kind of a, a good feeling about that. On the other hand, if you criticize me, I'm very unhappy. You know, that's just like, why do I even need that? That's not useful. I don't, I don't want that. So we kind of have this push-pull of what I want, what I need, what I like, more, not losses, praise, not criticism, recognition. You know, we don't often think about, I, don't, I want to be famous. We don't, I mean, you might. I don't advise it, <laughs> but you might. But recognition? Yeah, you don't, it's not nice if someone can't remember you. 
or if your husband forgets you, overlooks you, disregards you, values others more than you, we don't like that. It's very uncomfortable. It's unpleasant. Because our worldly stream of success and failure has to do with feeling good and not feeling bad. So impure motivation is all wound up in this, which for us is kind of just normal. It's normal. Normal people want to be happy. Normal people don't want to be unhappy. That's just so normal. Why would that be something considered impure? But the reason why it's impure is because this um, insecurity of needing is built on a mistake in our mind. The mistake in our mind is I. And I want to be happy. And I don't want to be unhappy. And that translates into happy means more. Happy means praise. Happy means recognition, validation. Unhappy means less, loss, decline. Unhappy means um, criticism, disapproval, you know, disregard. So what we do is we look for happiness. That's what everybody does. The problem is we don't exactly know where happiness is found. If you look really carefully, more doesn't make you happy. And then you argue with me, well, it's better than less. A little bit smart aleck, a little bit. Well, it's better than less. But actually, the suffering of more and the suffering of less in the long run is the same. Because however much more you have, eventually it's less. There isn't an option. So what the Buddha was presenting to us is a source of happiness. But not the happiness that we think of, of more versus less, of praise versus criticism. Not this kind of happiness, because this kind of happiness is vulnerable. This kind of happiness is easily disturbed. Oh my goodness, and when your reliance on this kind of happiness fails, it's a heartbreak. We have novellas. It's a heartbreak, and it's certain, because all of this kind of happiness is impermanent. It can do nothing but betray you. 
So where is the betrayal really? Is it your husband? Well, we could talk about that. Is it your boss? Is it your, you know, uh, fa- your, your famous football players that you think are good guys and they turn out to be creeps? Is it your, your you know, mentor who turns out to be a closet alcoholic? The problem is not outside. The problem is I. Every problem comes back to I. I want, I don't want, I like, I don't like, I need, I don't need, I all over the place. And it is the source of endless suffering. There is no solution findable following the track of self-centered fulfillment. Won't work, can't work. Impossible to work. And actually, one of the reasons why we get sad as we get older is we know it doesn't work. We've done our best. And we know it doesn't work. And so then things become hollow. So the Buddha, with great compassion, taught. He taught how to tame and train our mind. How to eliminate the the track of self-centered fulfillment to the experience of the nature of your mind beyond I. That's what the Dharma is. The Dharma is a system to help us train and tame our own mind. Because the problem is in us. Like a kid, you know, with a a lazy eye. One eye is floating the wrong way. They can't see right. And the school teacher or their parent notices, you know, they're having trouble tying their shoes. They're having trouble keeping up with the kids. And you'd, you'd look at them and you see, oh my goodness, the eye is not going the right way. They can't see. That's what's happening to us. The I is going the wrong way. The AO is going the wrong way. So, there is a correction to make. And the lamas, the buddhas, the bodhisattvas, on down through time, all the great masters, All of them say, look, you have to change your own mind. We want to change everybody else. We think, we think, if we can change them, we're going to be okay. They could just behave better. 
Oh my goodness, how much time we spend trying to get everybody else to behave better. Like the little kid trying to get the whole world to change so he can see straight. And it won't work. And the stress? Immense for the child. Immense stress. He doesn't know what's wrong with him. Doubt, insecurity, fear, victimization. All from the same problem. The root problem is our mental process of clinging to I. And so, establishing pure motivation for listening to the teachings or establishing pure motivation for getting up in the morning is the same. Whoever, like me, just wants to be happy, whoever, like me, doesn't know exactly how that's done, whoever they are, wherever they are, I wish for them freedom. Immediate freedom in whatever issues face them, but ultimate freedom, freedom from the confines of I. Freedom to experience the true nature of their mind, which is great, which is powerful, which has qualities, all of which we are denied by our self-centered clinging. So compassion, establishing pure motivation, is based on understanding the problem. And then understanding that that problem applies to every unenlightened being. They're not really very different from you. And yet, you are pursuing the teachings of the Buddha. You have a chance to learn, a chance to train your mind. You, Marta, have an opportunity that they don't have. So, pure-hearted motivation is to include them in your opportunity. Not only me, may every being attain enlightenment. And for that reason, I will listen to the teachings For that reason, I will contemplate and think about the teachings until I understand completely and I will meditate and I will change my mind in order that I can serve them all. That every being, without exception, whoever they are, wherever they are, can be free immediately and ultimately.
So please establish pure motivation for listening to the teaching. In actuality, the aspiration is for the limitlessness of all beings throughout all of, all of existence, that everybody could be free of suffering, that everyone could be happy. But that's an awfully big number. It's kind of becomes a diffuse. We kind of lose ourselves in that big number. So what the lamas suggest for us to do is work with the person who's in front of you, with the person that is uh, intense for you. That one person, maybe, you know, somebody who bothers you at school, or maybe someone who stole your bike, or maybe someone who, uh, you know, is running the country. The idea is to understand the universal problem of an unenlightened being, whoever they are. And this is a very important training to know, okay, this person, no names of course, who's running the country, just wants to be happy. She, they have a self-centered approach. We expect of our political figures to have a selfless approach, that they're caring for everyone. But as a human, people don't always have the ability. Maybe they're okay on a good day, but a bad day, or if their insecurity becomes very big, and they think, you know, I won't have this office forever, I better get everything I can while I'm here. We can understand that. We have those same thoughts. We have those same corruptions. We might think we would do better than them. We might criticize them and think that they make terrible mistakes. They're awful people. But actually, they're not awful people. They're just people. And as people, they are driven by an insecurity of wanting more, not wanting less, wanting praise, not wanting criticism. They want to be recognized. They don't want to go down in, in obscurity. They want to be happy. They don't want to be unhappy. This is the same for your boss, for your sogra, your mother-in-law, for your school teachers, for your friends, for your enemies. So the point for us in training is to start to notice this. Why do we make them evil incarnate? Why do we decide that they are evil incarnate when actually they're just a person? A person who's making mistakes of clinging to I, 
of hope and fear. They're just a person. And from a Buddha's point of view, the Buddha said, there's no one who's insignificant. In the totality of reality, every being is significant. They are connected to, we are connected to everyone. So you don't know if this person now you think is evil incarnate was once before someone very tender and loving towards you. We can't tell. Our veil is too strong to tell. But the Buddha said, look, every one of them was previously kind. Now, you may not think about that. You may not think that could be true about this person who's being so terrible to me. My own mother said to me, she said, darling, I just don't know if I can imagine that my mother-in-law was ever, ever loved me as her only child. Like, it's hard to imagine, but that is mind training. That is actually heart training. You know, the Tibetans, the great masters, when they talk about mind, they always refer to the heart. We talk about mind training like it's an intellectual training. And yes, there are intellectual aspects. But what you're really training is your heart. You're training your heart to see the other person better. To see them with their flaw. You know, and when you see someone who makes a big mistake, and you go on and on and on and on about how terrible they are, how bad they are, how mistake they're making, actually, you have to look back. Who's making a mistake? Of course they make mistakes. Why are you surprised by that? You would understand that they make mistakes. And what's worse is that their mistakes harm them. Their mistakes don't harm you. The only mistakes that can harm us are our own. Our own mistakes of hatred, of aggression, our own judgmental mind, that harms you. So again, if you care for yourself, then you should be careful and understand there's no, um, there's no um, validation for hurting and harming people who make mistakes. But compassion, compassion for the ones who make mistakes, 
love and understanding for the ones who make mistakes. It doesn't mean you accept the mistake. It means you understand them better. They say, I don't know who, some maybe the Indian traditions, my grandmother used to say things like, you can't criticize someone until you walk in their shoes. And Buddha, in a, in a way, is saying kind of the same thing. If you walk in their shoes, you would have compassion for them because they struggle by a flaw. And that flaw causes suffering, suffering, more suffering for whoever has the flaw. Self-clinging is the cause of all suffering. So our training then is to have compassion for others to have compassion for the mistake-makers, to have compassion and understanding. Pray for them, make a wish for them. Not only you attain happiness and fulfillment, that they, that they could be free of their suffering, that they could find the true nature of their mind, that they could attain enlightenment. Training, one by one, who is in front of you. And it's challenging because when you train in this, you begin to see how hard it is, how hard it is to uh, look past uh, the the dramatics of a story to understand the the root issues that are manifesting we get caught in the story we like the way the story goes we don't like the way the story goes we get caught in the story But actually what the Buddha is saying, yes, there's a story, but underneath of that, something is happening there. That is the story we need to see. That is the place where we can actually make a difference. It's not, you know, it's, it's, there's a lot of entertainment factor in, in our interactions with others. You know, we play in this game between ourselves and others because we have habits towards we want more. We have habits towards we don't want less. We have habits towards praise and criticism and recognition and obscurity. We have very, very, very strong habits. And so we're inclined to this story. And we perpetuate the story by our own poisons of mind, our own corruption. But you have to go to the root. You have to see what's really happening there to understand another, any other, 
every other that just like you, they want to be happy. Just like you, they don't want to be unhappy. Just like you, they don't really know what's going on. And they make tons of mistakes. Sometimes they do good things. But whether they can do a good thing or they're embroiled in a bad thing, what we know, we know that it's impermanent. What we know is that there is a perfection that permeates everything, including them. What we know is that they don't know. And therefore, you can have compassion, even for the worst, especially for the worst. That compassion helps you, changes you. That compassion changes your chemistry, your eyes. And you start to be able to see differently. We are healable. And others are too. So, our, as Buddhists, you know, when we're faced with issues like, you know, problems in the home, problems in the workplace, problems in our country, problems in our world, we have to bring something different to the, to, the, to the story. We have to bring understanding and compassion. And then, that doesn't mean you don't make an effort. You make an effort in whatever way you can to help things be better. But the most powerful way to make things better is by changing your own mind. I was amazed by Rinpoche when he was training me. Because I felt a lot of relief that I didn't have to be angry at everybody anymore. I felt a responsibility to be angry with them. I felt a responsibility to be angry with the politicians, to be angry with the misogynists, to be angry with, you know, the child abusers, to be angry with the violators, the cheats, the thieves, you know, be angry, be, you know, stand up, hold my flag. And when Rinpoche taught me compassion, when I felt his compassion, I realized I didn't have to be angry. I could hold my flag with compassion. Anger plus anger just makes more anger. Corruption plus corruption plus corruption just makes more corruption. Somewhere we have to hold up the flag of compassion. 
All right, I'll stop there. You can think about it. That's what we do. We think about it. When you're thinking about it, don't just think about it all the time. Sometimes relax your mind and just be for a minute or two. And then when ordinary thoughts arise again, then think about it again. You know, because our habits towards anger and greed and jealousy and pride, and especially our habit to ignorance, is very, 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 very well developed. Our habit towards compassion is very small. So so obviously, we have to cultivate and and try again and again and again. Try again and again and again. And then do your best. This podcast is supported by the generosity and kindness of Chagdagumpa members and donors. If you're interested in becoming a member, making a donation, or if you want to learn more about Chagdagumpa, feel free to go to chagdagumpa.org.